G'day Jordan. G'day Dan. Here we are again. Snowy gum, what are we talking about on this episode? Sport and song. Sport and song. Sport and song, because a few of you listened that weren't our mums and <laughs> and I gave some good feedback and so we've taken a divergence from the land of song and added sport because they are both pretty big parts of our life. So what is it that music fulfilled that sport couldn't and vice versa? Well, that's exactly what I think we're going to explore down at Parramatta Stadium. Parramatta Stadium, Eels versus the Titans, but we're at the pre-game, aren't we? New yeah. South Wales Cup. Pre-game. So there's a bit of noise you'll hear, but just take it and just come to the footy with us. A twist and wind as you reach for the sky. Your colour comes from your will to survive. Oh, I'm struck dumb, 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 dumb. Well, we've talked about specifically guitar and sport as well, I, th- I think, and well, songwriting and sport, and how maybe at different times in our in our lives, one's played a bigger role. Yeah. Um, yeah, which yeah. is similar because sport for me was everything, and particularly my context was rugby league. Yeah. Um, and then guitar came in and really started to change my priorities. Like I, I felt my, my passion for league lose, and mm-hmm. and there was a period where um, I had I felt like I intentionally wanted to rid myself of my image of a sports dude, yeah. and wanted to develop a sort of music persona. Um, so they sometimes, because I was thinking, sometimes they can feel like, you know, and then I was thinking about my music guitar teacher, and he hated me that I played rugby. Oh, called, really? He called it thugby. He was like, <laughs> I do not thugby. But I remember him, the way he would move his body, it was, it disgusted me. <laughs> <laughs> he had these just weird little, and so there is, weirdly, sometimes I feel like there's, and like at school you got your jocks sort of thing, and then your weirdos. Yeah. And there's almost a war between the two, but we've kind of found ourselves, a big part of our journey has been, well for me, has been to reclaim sport yeah. and realise that um, they're really both important parts of my life and they're not in competition with each other, they're no. actually, they help, they help each other. Well that's what, where we'll probably be going is um, <clears throat> how they are similar. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's what's probably more interesting. Yeah, but but you're right. It, there does at some point in your life, there feels like there's a divide between between them, um, and I think that's more of a younger self yeah. thing. Um, for me, it wasn't necessarily conscious, as in, oh, I'm into music now. I'm sick of sport. It was more the way I probably explain it is when I I was always sport, sport first, right? Okay. And then I think. Some of these things that sport couldn't feel was when maybe puberty started to hit, and maybe I was <laughs> lagging behind a bit. Ah, what's well, like? It's like physically, like you developed a bit later. Yeah, and that's that's a one like key example of how I needed something like music to because I felt weird and yeah, right. I felt um, like I wasn't fitting in. Okay. Maybe that's maybe, and I really think that's about where guitar came in. In my life. Which is weird because to my mind I feel like it's usually the musicians that are the weirdos. Like 
But you, so were you not that sporty then as well? No, that's what I mean, is I felt, I was sporty and just for in the sports clique, a jock, young, talking young. And then there came a time where I felt like I was lagging behind in a puberty sense. Okay. So I felt weird and I felt uh, gravitated towards right. music. Almost like you were outcast in the footy. Yeah. Felt a bit, didn't fit in the footy world. And I never was completely outcast. Like I was always, I never really stopped <clears> playing and I was always there and about playing decent level. But there was just, I think it was literally coming into high school, I just felt a little bit like, oh shit. Yeah, right. uh, there's a lot of bigger people around me <laughs> right now and I need a way to fucking deal with this. Man. Yeah, well that's where it's a little bit different for me because I was the opposite. I was big. Yeah. I was a big boy and when I was 12 or 13, I'd go buddy. Oh, here we go. Rabbit. Oh. Oh, yeah. On you. Um, I was massive. When I was 13, I was as big as a 16-year-old kind of thing. Yeah. They're about, I could, I could play with... 16 year old when I was 13. Yeah, wow. Um, and be competitive. Yeah. And so music for me, when I started playing guitar, it was this like, what? Come on, Dan, what are you talking about, man? You're the footy dude. Like, this was, is the other people's Yeah, other like voices. the perception of me was like, footy dude playing guitar and trying to sing and being a sensitive guy, that's not who you and are. And were they real voices or voices yeah. in your head? Yeah, I remember this one chick, Christy Quinn, out there. <laughs> I'm naming you. <laughs> she was like, um, I started singing and I was really early guitar and singing days. Yeah. And I, like, and I was doing? just singing on like a school excursion or something. And she, Christy was funny. She was savage and she said, oh, Dan, you should, you should do singing lessons. Oh. And I just went and everyone laughed because oh. it obviously landed like, come on, footy boy. It's a classic call as well. It's a great joke. You should be on the radio so I can turn you off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had to, it felt, I felt so clunky and awkward in my developing musical identity. I and did, can you put an age on this? Yeah, like 15, pretty much as I was learning guitar, 15, 16. So that's, I'm trying to, I always normally think about in more years of school rather than age. Yeah, so what's yeah, that? So year like, nine, year 10. Year nine, okay, sweet. <clears throat> yeah, because I'm talking year seven. Oh, I'm okay. talking year seven, eight is when I think, I'm probably actually, I could probably boil it down to year eight because I know that's around about when Nirvana's Greatest Hits album came out. So <laughs> yeah. I sort of know. I was obviously feeling pretty freaking angst angsty yeah, <laughs> at that yeah, point. And that's what was speaking to me. Um, Nirvana spoke to me. I remember um, camp, we'd set up these halls. Like, you remember Gladiators? Like the movie? No, oh, no, the, the, the show, show Gladiators. Yes. And, and we'd get... This is deep Australiana right yeah. <laughs> And you'd get pillows and everything we could find in the camp yeah. and do the gauntlet. So you had the thing and we'd, when it was my, everyone's turn, you'd pump Nirvana. It's, yeah. And then you'd, it was, yeah. Is this at school or? This is school camp. School camp, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it's curious that there's a divide because I remember intentionally trying to be skinny and um, have that malnourished look because I thought that's what, that's at my young age thinking that I needed to fit into something. And when was this? This was sort of like maybe 20s. Okay, so after school. After school. And you'd already probably started your musical journey mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the outward, outward and the public yeah. musical journey? Yeah, but not, not, as, not as 
solo singer-writer. Okay. It was more in the church yeah. dynamic. And I was in a band, so people started to know me as music as well, yeah. but never as a, as a songwriter. And this is, this is it, hey, you said you started to feel like you needed to be skinny. Yeah. And, um, let's wait. And so this is, that's body image. Yeah. Yeah. And identity. Yeah. And that's, was that a time when you were separating from sport? Because it's yeah. hard to be, play rugby when you're, I mean, it's the opposite to the thing you want to do when you're playing rugby. Yeah, You I want to be pretty on physically. Totally, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what you want to be. Yeah. It's opposite. Yeah. And I didn't play footy after, after school. As soon as school finished, I had nothing yeah. to do with footy again. Um, yeah. And I did go through one of those phases too. Maybe a bit later than 20. I remember that phase where it's like, you actually consciously go, yeah, no, nah, I don't want to play sport anymore. Yeah. And it was shit. <laughs> I think I was so, really depressed. I was so depressed. <laughs> I remember 21, I've got this, I, I look like a proper drug addict. I've got yeah. shaved head and I'm gaunt and I'm like way, like, when did, what, like, that's, that's the, almost the toxic side of this creative, yeah. this the fitting in thing. And it's image, eh? Like, it's thing. all based on fucking image, yeah. rather than substance. And, and what you think, what you think you need to be, yeah. which is maybe an interesting time to share what Snowy Gum is about. Yeah, actually. Because, well, how, yeah. uh, Snowy, that's, yeah. Okay, well, you go. Dan was spending some time in the mountains. Yeah. And we were flirting the idea of starting some sort of project. We didn't really know what. Um, we didn't know if it was going to be a live night or, you know, I, mean, I guess we still don't actually know what it's going to become. <laughs> yeah, but, we still know. Um, we started talking about Sydney, if I'm, if I'm Mel correct. In Melbourne, yeah. I remember we were thinking, really, we should be in Melbourne because yeah. that's where if the If you're music a musician, is. that's the obvious that's, place to go. Yeah. And, but then I think, yeah, we were at Maroubra. I remember very specifically we were at Maroubra at the cafe near the pool. Right. And we were kind of talking about how, well, maybe we don't need to just fit into what musicians do. We start our own thing. And you started comparing it to the snowy gum yeah. tree and how they grow in these hectic conditions. Yeah. And I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, well, my, I mean, if, you, if anyone knows snowy gums, they're these just the weirdest shapes and they got these stunning colors mm. these like purples yellows greens and the idea of resilience like these things are hardy resilient trees and it's actually their ability to um what is it like work with the conditions or yeah or like the conditions is what shaped them into this really strange unique thing yeah and we but that desire to fit in, like, as a footy person, you need to be a footy person. As a musician, you need to be skinny and gaunt. Yeah. Actually, oh. um... Oh! Go, brother! <laughs> it's a, it can take away from your own uniqueness. Like, and the reality is, like, there is that sort of stereotype of the musician who is just a complete nerd and just obsessed, and yeah. he's not sporty. Yeah. And there is the stereotype of the, the footy guy yeah. who's just couldn't have a musical bone in his body. Yeah. But we found ourselves in this weird in-between zone where we don't really fit in either camp. Um. Yeah, and it seemed almost like we oscillated as well 
throughout a life about which camp we might have fit into. And I think part of this right now is to unify. Yeah. Because we want to honor both parts yeah. of myself. Yeah. You know? Um, and that was a really tough thing to really start reclaiming. Really and that's why it's interesting we're watching the game of league now. Because yeah. for me, it was league yeah. that was my sport. I don't know what your sport I have a feeling your sport's maybe more union. Well, playing union, but I always supported. League. Yeah, we'll get into that. The working class, uh, yeah, that's uh, the, the classism of Australia. Maybe we'll get into that. Um, yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, well, we're in Parramatta. But yeah, you were you were you were actually a leaguey player. Yeah, um, that was just everything for you at yeah. one point. Totally everything. I think that's the difference maybe between your year seven and my year seven. Is I don't wasn't even thinking about music or anything at that age. It was just like. There was just not even in my, it wasn't until 15 or 16 that yeah. creativity started to become a thing. So how did actually the guitar even land on your lap? It was the cool group in year nine was going to the music room and everyone was learning Californication. So they were the cool kids, the musos were the cool kids? No, there just seemed to be this sudden shift in like, oh, maybe guitar's cool. Yeah. And a few people could play and it sort of was cool and then there was just this period where everyone went to the music room at lunchtime. Yeah. And learnt Californication. Yeah. And for me, I remember seeing the hammer on. Yeah. And that to me was like the curtain revealed. Nice. And that was the beginning of. Um, What's the riff? And that. Dun -dun -dun yeah, was yeah. just. And watch my finger make magic. Yeah. I was hooked. Yeah. So I'll go so far as to say as at my school, the guitar was never really cool. Right. I don't think, there was people that did it and it's not like they were necessarily uncool. It's just that for my, at my school, rugby was king, no matter what. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And... That's that real North Shore, North, Northern private school. Thing. Yeah, it was, and I think the, the school's changed now, but it was literally, I think rugby, People care more about rugby even than academics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Which kind of suited me to a certain extent. It sort of suited me. I know for a lot of people it didn't suit, but... Um, it suited me really well when I was... Um, I mean... Here we go. Oh, Good tackle. Oh, he's in. That's a try. That's a try. He's happy about it. <laughs> the rabbits. There's a bit of a uh, bit of well, niggle is, out there. How about this is interesting because we've come here tonight. I'm trying to convert. I'm a Bears fan, big Bears fan, still Bears fan, and part of me reclaiming is reclaiming the bear in me. Yeah. You were an Eels fan, but you big sort one. of went off it, and you're thinking about going for Rabbitohs. And right now, the Rabbitohs are playing the Eels yeah. in the New South Wales the New Cup. New South Wales Cup. And I've got my Parramatta. Because deep, deep down, I think deep down I know I'll never be able to go against the Eels, um, especially because I ran it past a few of the boys the other day. <laughs> what do you guys reckon about me changing my team? And it was, it's not loud it's actually. It's like changing your last name. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mate. Um, but then the reason why I was even flirting with it was because partly, partly because of that time when I went away from sport, Completely. Yeah. Um, and then when I did start to come back, I didn't. I came back to Inner West near where the Rabbitohs trained, and I felt, okay, well, I'm almost like the rebirth was closer to 
that's where I was living. Mm -hmm. Parramatta was always where my family history had come from. And I was, and then actually, it was one of the ways I explored my heritage almost, was through these weird connections. Like, why, will I, why would I support Parramatta? Because my dad's family was from there, why? Mm. You know, and what's that? What is that loyalty? And, and who am I even, this weird little musician rat living in Redfern? <laughs> like, just, and they're all questions of trying to find yourself, really. Well, and again, it's a fitting in thing, isn't it? In some ways, like you're trying to, I mean, it's very creative. Not, like you go and live in the inner west. Yeah. And then you just wear shitty clothes yeah. and like drink coffee and like, you're like there's, a, there's a way you can be a creative in yeah. the inner west. Yeah, yeah. And then being a Parramatta fan isn't one of them. Yeah, there's probably not too many in there. But then as, you, as time goes on, I'm noticing a lot of musicians have affinity with sport. We're not, you know, reinventing the wheel here. It's a, it's a relationship that's tried and true, I think. Um, what, what do you mean by that? Well, that time when you think maybe you have to separate from sport to even fit into the music world yeah. is not really, hasn't really proven true. That no. was an illusion in my... It was an illusion, yeah. yeah. It was one that you, you sort of might have bought into, but I find most musicians I know now have a team, have some sort of team. Yeah, right. You know? Um, not all. There's definitely the ones that are just like, hate sport, I'm into art cool, I love them, they yeah. don't know who they are. Yeah. A lot of them I find, they use sport almost as this, like what we're talking about. They go hand in, they go hand, in hand. Yeah. Well, it's funny, it's interesting too, because the other side of that is footy dudes that I thought would have potentially like, I was a bit wary of the tease factor. Actually yeah. a lot of, People that play footy like love my music, and like so. Even that's an illusion too that you're going to be outcast by being a musician. That suddenly you're going to outcast yourself from yeah. The, the, the footy world also turned out to be an illusion. Yeah. And you can really betray a part of yourself by giving up something that you love to feel like you belong in some other. What a world view, or yeah. it's it's a real. It's a, I suppose it's a real primal. It's, and like footy is quite primal, and I suppose music's but it's, it comes down to a primal kind of belonging thing. There, there's there's belonging in both in both worlds. Yeah. And like right now we're at Eel Stadium, the jersey. You know, like if you wear a Eels jersey, you're part of a thing. And that's one of the similarities I was thinking about. Um, what where music and sport crossover is this sense of being part of something bigger. Yeah. And there's two ways there's, if you're a part of a team yeah. or a part of a band, like when a team is on, yeah. like if a team's cooking, it's just, it's one of the best things to watch. Yeah. Same way when a band is on, you just like, yeah. it almost takes you to the same place. And then there's the next level up, which is the crowd at a, at a game. Yeah. And then the audience. Yeah. And when a team and a crowd like a crowd can lift a team. Mm -hmm. A certain individual on a team mm -hmm. can do something that lifts the crowd, which then lifts the team. Mm -hmm. And and similar in the live, there's that real similar dance going on in a live, particularly in a live setting, yeah. I think. Yeah. There's audience, band, individual, and then there's a big dance between those things. 
Yeah, and even definitely live is one of the clear, uh, clear ways that it's the same performance in front of the crowd. Yeah. But then there's this thing also when you're in bands or with, with in groups of people where even off stage, the whole thing comes about this team. Yeah. Trying to do something, basically trying to create something. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, bands can feel like, I don't know, teams, families, whatever, just, uh, well, yeah, they, they're, they're, they're kind of like they, they're identity. They're where, they're where your tribe is. Yeah. Um, and there's also, there's a transcendent thing that can happen. Like, you know, when you get lost in a moment in sport, Yeah. two minutes to go, someone does some amazing thing, the whole crowd, yeah. you like, it's this elation, like you transcend yourself in some ways. Yeah. And similarly that happens in, in music. You, if you go to a place with music, you really transcend yourself. And that need, I was thinking about this need to be part of something bigger. And, because I've often wrestled with um, the ego thing. So when you, when you become a sports star or a music star, and I haven't really been either at the elite levels, but... You've flirted with both. You've had, I've had enough of a feeling, but I've had a good game where a crowd is watching mm. and everyone wants a piece of you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And same, I've had a gig where you've had, you know... So, um, the shadow side, I guess, of this need to be something part of bigger is you start to believe in yourself as this thing and you forget that you're part of a team you forget that you sort of start to believe that you're something special yeah but the really potentially healthy side of it is that you want to become you want to be part of something bigger and yeah. then being in a band and being in a live situation with an audience we had that gig the other night you start to feel like you're just a part in this thing yeah and everyone in a team knows that if someone gets too big for their boots in a team yeah it has to be a team effort. As soon yeah. as it's like such a footy cliche. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the boys done a real good job. It's because <laughs> um, it does. I feel like it takes you out of yourself in some way. It's a relief from your own sense, and you're a part of something that's even slightly bigger than yourself. Yeah. Is I mean, making any. Well, yeah. Like identity, and it seems like probably every conversation <laughs> we'll have will have an identity in it in some degree. But that. That sort of leads me into why I was, maybe why I separated from Parramatta at some point, Parramatta Eels. Yeah, Was right. that, that identity thing, yeah, so good to feel part of something. And then also, it can also be incredibly ugly as yeah. well. Yeah, it can get real um, <laughs> tribal. And yeah. Like, yeah. And that's, yeah, where's that line between, yeah, feeling connected, community, having my own team that I can support versus like, uh, <laughs> It's not who you are, really. Like you, you're a little bit too attached to this. Thing. You can get too attached <laughs> to a team, and you see people that follow a team, and their team loses, and they don't recover for days. Yeah. And you're like, you might be getting a little bit too attached to this, to this idea of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That you're actually a part of this. Like you sort of are, but you're not that much. Yeah. 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 And I always found it frustrating, especially as a watcher of sport not being able to do anything about the outcome of the game <laughs> if you're a supporter. I mean, you can, obviously, being you a good supporter. Degree, yeah. But very, 
the, the we of, of a sport team is a big, it's a, it's a generous we. Yeah. Like when you say, yeah, my team, like, yeah, yeah, it's very it generous. Is, but, but then you can take it so far and like say this, if this stadium's full tonight of para fans and each individual makes up that mass of fans, yeah. which can then lift a team. Yeah. So in a similar way, who knows in an audience, I might be stretching this too far, but when you're performing and you've got a big crowd and they're not that into it, sometimes it can just be one or two eyes. Like I'm thinking of some real tough gigs that I've had where I'm just like, oh man, this is um, so insignificant. Yeah. But then you find one or two eyes that are actually listening to you yeah. and you can focus in on those eyes and they can really lift you and you can have quite a meaningful experience. Um, yeah. Am I and stretching the analogy too No, far? no, well that uh, makes me think of, yeah, you're talking about the two eyes that might see you in the audience mm. of a gig. And I think I translated my love for sports teams, sort of changed more into individual players. And, yeah, and heroes, for want of a better word. I, somewhere along the line, I started getting more focused on, like, I actually started to uh, screw the team in a certain sense. Yeah. Whatever this, this individual seems to be going through something, mm. um, and Jared Hayne is one that comes to mind, because mm. um, that was obviously deep into Parramatta. So you were into Parramatta at that stage, yeah. and Hayne was on his, yeah. just tearing up? Yeah, I was... Yeah, and I almost flipped from Paramount. I mean, and a, a good analogy is because he became the team at one point. I know it's, it's always about a team, but man, I don't know if we were going to make some of those finals that we made no if he way. wasn't there. There and, can be those individuals, yeah. And he's one of those once in a generation players. Um, and then you look at his journey, like, I mean, if there's yeah. any Hollywood directors out there, jeez, like. It's still ongoing yeah. too. It's curious you say that because, because even though I'm a Bears fan, I NRL's my Eels yeah. team, yeah. and I do, I watch. I'm quite invested in the Eels. But the reason I got into Eels was I love Nathan, Nathan Heimark. Yeah, I've got him sitting right next to me actually. <laughs> <laughs> I just whatever it was about Heine, I loved watching yeah. Heine, yeah. and then he. So I remember it was about five years after school. I think it was that, uh, I, for whatever reason, I just started taking notice of Heinrich and then the Hain train was happening. So I had these two things, so it was Heine and Hain, and then I got into that eel season where they went for that run. They, I think they came eighth, and then they went all the way to the grand final. They had this crazy end of season run. They lost the GF to the Storm. To the Storm, but that was when they actually had breached the uh, salary cap for Storm. The storm so, had yeah. Breached, yeah. yeah. So, and then ever and that's since... That's about as close as you get as a, a grand final win for the Eels <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they breached the gas. Yeah, so. yeah. And then this is also the, tripping me out a bit too because Dad used to love watching the Eels because he used to love watching, um, they called him Perpe Mr. Perpetual Motion, Ray Price. Oh yeah, right. So Dad's got 80s memories of 80s Eels. Yeah. And Price was a union boy who came over to the league and apparently Dad reckoned he had this style which was just like, he wasn't the biggest guy, but he kept going and he had this tackling ta technique where they'd come and, yeah. and he just the biggest guys and he just kept going. Yeah. So it was an individual, so those individuals do. Yeah. Um, 
But then it's like the Jarrett Haynes story now is a bit of a tr tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when you first mentioned Jared Haynes, it made me think of Michael Jackson, which is a weird parallel. But what happens when we start to make these human things mm -hmm. and we start to turn them into gods? Yeah. Which is what we do to Hain. Yeah. It's what we did to Michael Jackson's probably one of the, the most recent gods we've had. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's not great. It's yeah, doesn't end doesn't usually end well. No. Yeah, there's the deeply uh, Yeah, well that's that's the hero's journey gone wrong, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I think part of the reason why we follow them almost is because it's the, it's the hero's journey. We're following these guys, trying to beat all odds to achieve something, you know, great. And we go to movies to watch that. Humans are obsessed with it. Yeah. We all have our own version of it at yeah. some level. I don't know if any human really gets out of it without having some sort of narrative where they're the central figure and they're on some journey. You know, mm. most people have some sense of that. Um, but yeah, it can be very uh, disheartening when um, it's not the Hollywood story, really. Yeah, well that's, you know? it's, I am curious to hear your, I like that take on the hero's journey thing. I'm curious to hear your, how you think about the heroes. Well, how do you conceptualize the hero's journey? Well, I've, it's the method, I can't remember his name, but it's the uh, Campbell. Joseph Campbell kind of circle is how I've come to, it's not how I started off knowing it, but it's what I've recently um, been researching basically. Okay. Because um, so much of it rings true, I find, in that circle. You know the challenge with the father figure, or the crossing of the threshold, the refusal of the call. Like they, mm, some of these things, mm, mm. they just arouse like a, um, yeah, some something in me that I go, yeah, I've fucking experienced that. Here we go. Uh oh, oh, that's a try. That's a good pickup. Rabbits are in. Yeah, rabbits are in. Might maybe need to go back to Redfern. <laughs> <laughs> Sip of my latte and red. But I suppose if you still feel something for the eels and the loss, it's the feeling, isn't it? But back to the yeah. hero's journey thing, because. Um, Try the Rabbitohs number one, Jacob Jagger. The Rabbitohs lead the eels 16 to 40. What I'm wondering is is there something about the negative side maybe of this new pop star thing. Mm -hmm. So there's the pop star element which music can take you to. Like if you do really well in music, you become this figure. Yeah. An almost godlike figure. Yeah. Same in sport. If you if you reach the peak of the sport, you become a godlike figure and you probably judge them by standards. But also I wonder if they're for the a lot of people they're almost outsourcing their own hero's journey. Which is why it's so painful when someone like a Hayne or a Michael Jackson falls. Yeah. Because it speaks to. Because I don't. I don't find that painful. To me, it makes sense in some ways that that stuff happens. Yeah. It's, it's it is painful, but it's not personally painful. Like, yeah. I I feel like I don't. 
I haven't made them into my um, personal god or whatever. But I, I feel like the pain of betrayal some people feel when someone like a Hain or a or a um, Mark Jackson or like an indie band. You remember Kings of Leon? Yeah. True fans when they when they went. They, that's the opposite. They went pop. They felt that is this real betrayal. It's like almost a yeah, you're outsourcing your own hero's journey. Yeah. And that's where it can become a bit, can become possibly negative, the, the, the music and sport thing. Yeah, and you can also, you can, you can not completely outsource it, but use it as parallels. Like you've talked about Moses recently. Yeah. How he's been one that, you're not outsourcing, you're almost trying to run alongside him. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and for me. Well, um, just to clarify that, yeah, go on, yeah. Because Mitch, Mitch Moses is the current halfback. And I'm following the Eels at the moment, and I'm watching, I get really interested in the stories of these players because I recognise myself in them. Yeah. You can see this potential, but they can't quite hit it, and they can't quite gel. And with my own life, my own music, I feel the same thing. You feel this own, like, I've got this potential. And um, it, it's nice to watch someone in real, Time. Uh, that's probably the end of that thought. Yeah. Go on with your thought. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. There's just all sorts of ways where you can, yeah, find comparisons and use figures to help you in, in your own life. And like, we do it. We, I mean, Jesus being one of the biggest figures that people yeah. um, have in their life. We sort of need figures in some way. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, models, direction. I don't know what exactly it so is. So then, so then. When does it become half time? Um, when does it become the outsourcing? Yeah. And when does it become like really beneficial? Yeah, I think it's <laughs> it's the healthy sense of moderation, isn't it? It's like. It can be really healthy to be part of a team, community, admire people, get inspired by people, and then, yeah, it can tip into obsession and attachment, and yeah, it's the same thing that we deal with in almost everything in life. It's that, that balance. Um, yeah, because it can be the other thing. So I could see a, I can see a, maybe not so much sport nowadays, because I think my sporting days are over, but I can watch a musician or a songwriter and is that going to be too loud, that music, do you reckon? Or do you reckon it'll be all right? It's, it's probably a bit the same as it's been, has it? Yeah, it? yeah, just rock and roll. Yeah. Um, I can get really... I can't listen to some people's music sometimes. Not necessarily because it's bad, but because it's good and it makes me feel jealous. Like, I can... So, some... I'm trying to learn how to use, uh, not use, but like find inspiration in those that are doing good work versus going, well, I could never do that, so I'm not even going to try. And I, that can happen a lot sometimes. Yeah. You see some band that you're like, these guys are too good. I'm never going to be as good as that, and so I'm not even going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I just like... <laughs> can't believe that I'm going to be talking more about Jesus right now. <laughs> I'm going to. 
the parallel I'm drawing is that like, because I've not really grown up in a Christian world, yeah. so it's it's got less kind of attachment for me. But it's like people are so attached to the word of Jesus that they've made him this figure that that is God. Yeah. Um, whereas it seemed like he was pointing towards not me. It's the it's the thing that he was trying to explain that we yeah. can't explain. Yeah. And maybe that's getting somewhere closer to like, don't get attached to the idol. Yeah. Get attached. Jared Hand making a fucking mind-blowing bust that you just can't even, you can't even fathom. fathom. There's spirit in that that is just It's a God like, moment yeah, almost. It's like, well, he's in this flow state that is, yeah. that's what we're all here to see, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, don't get attached to Jared Hayne because fucking hell, like, you know. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, no one. Don't get attached to anyone. Um, I really like that analogy. It's like, I often talk about this idea, don't mistake uh, what, like the, the finger pointing to something. Don't mistake the finger pointing for the thing that the finger's pointing to. Yeah. And that's what I think those Jared Haynes or the or like peak sportsmen yeah. or musicians, songwriters are nailing it. Yeah. They point to something yeah. and don't confuse the, yeah, don't yeah. confuse that for what they're pointing to. They yeah. almost, they can act as a guide to that source. Yeah, and just because someone can be so incredibly good at something, like music or sport, the weird thing is that they can be so good at one particular thing yeah. and not doesn't necessarily translate into the rest of their life. Sometimes it, it might, but yeah, it's, it's... Yeah, well, Jared's relationship with women might not be the most healthy thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, well, most musos right now, like I probably used to look up to musos as my gods when I was younger, but not even musos anymore. I don't look up to them as people to emulate my life to be. And yeah. Like, but I still love the thing. Yeah, I love yeah. footy and I love well, music. That's, that's what. Do you want to go for a walk and yeah. get a beer while these ads are on? Yeah, we might sweet. take an ad break. Did you take your thing? thing no, let's yeah. just walk together and we'll just do we'll just do sweet. an experiment. Sweet. Do I have an answer? Um, we'll just stick together because that's going to get annoying as hell. Um, oh. Yeah, we're good. Have we talked too much about Jared? Hey? <laughs> no, no, I like it. I like, we, this, this can still be part of the podcast. Yeah. Um, it's just too noisy in there. Yeah. Um, no, I reckon it's too sensitive. It's, I mean, Jared Hayne is. There hasn't been much talk about him. I think it's it's too it's too like sensitive for people. Like it's obviously. Usually, I feel like there'd be a big media circus, but it's almost just disappeared out of the out of everything. Yeah, the fall from grace has been too much for people yeah, to handle. Yeah, too huge, hey. And that just goes to show our, our our society that loves heroes, and if they fall, it's just like, yeah, fucking yeah. get them out of here. Next one. I don't want people to know that <laughs> that, that goes on. Where's but, the next guy? Yeah. Um. Here you go. This then will probably be about even. Have to get the, this. Huh? It's on my on my phone. If you want to keep. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I got it. Okay, yeah, let's have a pause. Hey, gone. So, um, we get two stone and wood uh, beer sacks. Anything else? Uh, that's it. Do you want? You want anything else? No, no, I'm good. Sweet.
Oh, the bunnies come out a bit Ooh. slow. It's a bit of a bit of a move there. Again. All right, second half. Two sporting heroes of mine are Shane Warne and Andrew Johns. Yeah. And to me, what I love about those two sportsmen is is they were so unpredictable. Like you felt like they were making art out there. Yeah. It wasn't. They didn't necessarily always win or. But they were so in it, and they obviously clearly loved the game so much. Yeah. And you didn't really, you could never predict what they were going to do. And it felt, that feels more like art to me than this, this learning the sport. And, mm -hmm. and you see the people, the musicians, there is a craft, I've talked about this a bit, like, there's the craft of music, yeah. but then there's that other spirit which animates it, which is what excites me. Yeah, yeah. So the same thing that I think that excites me in music excites me in footy. But what was I found interesting was that I don't know if I have any similar emotion. When I watch highlights of John Z or, or Warney, yeah. I don't know if I have the same level of emotion when I think about musicians. So that strikes me as curious. I think about some, it's a different type of emotion because I can think about some early Bob Dylan footage that arouses very, mm -hmm. uh, just mind blowing like, Formative um, images of him at the San Francisco press conference or playing yeah. at Ra Ra Abbott Hall, which is a similar place yeah. to watching some of those highlight videos, but it's a diff completely different emotion. Yeah. Okay. Can you can you differentiate for me the emotions? I probably, in a weird way, I more feel like crying when I'm watching Shane Warne, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> whereas Bob just makes me feel cool. Yeah. <laughs> just makes me go like. Oh, this is this is cool. Time to play or yeah. something. Yeah, it's almost in a, in a weird way. It, the music's not making me feel emotional in that sense. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. That's the, the emotive qual quality of my sports heroes is yeah. actually stronger. I can feel inspired by and like like feel my imagination go crazy with musicians. Yeah. But the actual emotional quality is yeah. stronger with footy stars. And the only thought I had with that was. Uh, it was bigger for me in my childhood. The, like the sport, oh yeah, right. sport connection was more obvious as a child, for me as, as, as a kid yeah. than music was. Um, but yeah. I was thinking that it's curious the, the games that you grew up around with. And for me, league was the big game, but also cricket. Yeah. And the music that you grew up with, how how much they shape you. I wonder. I wonder how much those things actually shape your view of the world because I think I'm back into my league now and I'm enjoying watching my league yeah it's a very familiar place and it doesn't give other sports don't give me the same kick that league does mm -hmm. and similarly early music that I grew up with mm -hmm. with my parents was just my parents music yeah um, not just like it was good music I feel like that maybe really shapes your worldview yeah no, that's a good point. It's it's this, that childhood kind of, and that's the thing that makes it so emotional. Um, there's something. What's coming to mind for me is something to do with sport. How when you're watching these guys, you might be watching a highlight or watching it live. They got blood dripping off their eye. Dirt. They're dirty and sweaty. Something about that that brings out the emotion because it's it's describing the physical struggle of life. Mm. Musicals this emotional mm. thing. And it's like, but you're most likely looking pretty, pretty, <laughs> you know, putting on your best, you All know, skinny, Cuban yeah. heels and <laughs> yeah. going like, 
She broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas sport, you're going, I'm going to die one yeah. day, but I'm still here and I still to try. And you're like, bring it on, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's a, yeah, the sport struggle is so vis so obvious. Yeah. But I also, I like it when music dips into the battle arena of sometimes when it, because music's also been used in warfare throughout yeah. human history, right? So there's, sometimes it can make you tap into that side of, this is a, like, it might be a war song or, yeah. you know, a warrior song or, it can, they can flirt together. They can, they're not in completely different worlds. No, well that makes me think of what I, was thinking about the similarity between rhythm, rhythm in music and, um, like, not to bring up Judd Hardy again, but like those, those certain athletes <laughs> who are just like, <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> yeah, the guys. Jared Ain't Show. <laughs> I'm just, I hope you listen to this, Jared, in your comfortable cell. Sorry, mate. Um, um, the physicality of elite athletes, like when they're just dancing, like yeah. they're dancing, yes. and it's so similar to a rhythm in music. When an athlete is at their peak, it's almost music, to my mind, it's almost musical what yeah. they do out there. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe... For me, more even the music sometimes is poetic, and which goes alongside of music. The sports movement is poetic. Yeah, yeah. I often, rather than, because I never thought about this before we were, you know, talking about saying we're going to talk about music and sport, but it's almost like music, sport and poetry yeah, seem okay. to go really close together. Yeah. I don't know why it's more almost poetry no, and, and that's not even just the word of poetry it's the yeah yeah it's the unexcribable thing fucking is. thing yeah it's the grace the grace or something it's um because what ma makes me think of is like there's there's the game right yeah where rugby there's boundaries around a game yeah. there's certain rules yeah and within that and then same with music there's rules within music to yeah. a degree yeah you, if there's no rhythm, it's not music. And you yep. know, if there's no melody, like so, there are certain rules. Oh, Rabbitohs are cleaning up. That make music music. There's certain rules that make a game a game. And yep. then there's like the spirit within which you play the game. Yep. The spirit within which you play the music thing yep. is the poetry yep. aspect. Yep. And that's. Um, I think. Yeah, that, that's what I'm drawn to. I'm drawn, I haven't thought about that either, but I'm drawn to those poetic moments in sport and I'm yeah. drawn to those poetic moments in music. And I feel like one of the reasons why it's even poetic is that, like you said, it's a game that has set rules. Yeah, sure, the rules change slowly over time, but to a large extent, it's just very set rules. The fact that the players like Johns, Warren and Dylan, Bob Dylan, making new forms within the existing yeah, structures. Yeah. It's like, that's where you go, like John's might have been his banana kick or yeah. warning just everything just that he did. <laughs> <laughs> like, how yeah. are you creating something new out of yeah. a game a hundred years old? That's incredible. And that's back to that weird individual thing, like, because, like, John's changed league. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, the game is now different because of John's. Yeah. And, and I, I'd say the same thing for Warney and cricket. Yeah. 
And then, who was I thinking about the other day that he's doing a, can't remember, but anyway. But there's certain figures that make, do a new thing in a sport that no one had ever thought of was possible. Yeah. And then that becomes the new norm. Like those, the wingers tries in the corners now. Yeah. That's just the new norm of the game. Yeah. And now you have to train that as a winger. Yeah. If you're not training that. And who, I don't know who can, can, Peyton that, but I reckon Izzy Folau had to be up there for one of the specialty. He, he was a game changer. He was a, for that high ball on the corner. Yeah. He'd have to be up there, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, you're thinking of Dylan. And then I, I've just been dipping into this new Beatles doco. Have you heard of that one? I've heard of it, yeah. I, this is the one with all the long footage. They're just sitting in a room making. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's, it's cool. I, like, I mean, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> like, I can't watch more than half an hour or so at a time. But um, you see McCartney. And, Mc, and I've... McCartney's almost ADHD. He's just yeah. throwing paint at the walls, like... And he's clearly very musical. Yeah. And you watch John and he's actually quite quiet. Yeah. And he's sitting there and you think Paul's got got the power. Yeah. Because he's so big, his personality is so big. And he does. There there is that certain kind of power. Mm. But John's got this quiet kind of to me he's got the, the poetic spirit. Like Paul's the musician and John to me is the poet in that situation. Um, and why am I saying that? I suppose I'm just saying what I'm drawn to. I'm drawn, I'm more, I like John's songs better because, but they, the game changes. They changed what music was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I there was a thing, the there was a thing called music, yeah. which was whatever it was. I'm a bit too young to know, but the Beatles changed what it meant, particularly recorded music, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it was John and Paul, hey, like the combination of them. The combo was insane. Yeah. It's like, uh, that's your half five eight combo. Yeah, right well, what there. are some iconic <laughs> combos like in um, the sport? I mean, McGrath and War. Think of that McGrath, combo. McGrath and Warren, yeah. Like, you just, that when McGrath and War are on, you're yeah. just, you're there. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's the, the steadiness of McGrath. Yeah. Gave Warren his freedom to fuck with the yeah, mind. That's to be a great. Batman. That's a great one. Yeah, one of the one of the best ever. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I can think any more off the top of my head. I mean, I'll bring it to Union. Um, George Gregan and John Eels. <laughs> right. They were like completely different positions, but just those two. You had the tiny guy. Yeah. And this giant. Something when they were in charge of the ship. The, the Wallaby was all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, they won a World Cup, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. They're just... Yeah. There's these odd combos. These odd combos. And that's why we love sport, because you need every body type in rugby. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully music's like that as well. Yeah, yeah and it, it, it's that playing your part thing too. Like, that's what, yeah, yeah, I really like. There's a, in a team, the little guys in league, you need them both. You need the little guys and the big guys. Yeah. Some and there's no one player that has everything. No. Some get pretty close. Yeah. But. Um, and I wonder as well with like, say even the solo figures in music. Got a boy. Yeah. Come on, boys. Good try. Um, 
I suspect that it's never just one, like Dylan, he seems like one of the most, the people that really, it's just him. But there have to be people behind that that were yeah. his publisher or his, people that are behind the scenes that you don't really see that really. We well, got Grossman, his manager. Is he the manager? He was, he? he was the first big manager. And then you've got the band. Yeah. the band which like he's actually you're right he's one of the closest that looks like the most solo figures but you really look closely and he's one of the best collaborators he's actually one of the best collaborators how, say how what do you see there? well picking more. up like his relationship with Gross, Grossman's pretty famous okay. that management team I don't, I don't know much about yeah that. he just took him Grossman took him to the next, next level was that um, was that in his folk days it was. Um, or is that is that when he's gone wrong? It was still his, It was the transition. Like he'd already. He was on the Greenwich, uh, New York scene, and he was doing pretty well, and he was starting to get quite a bit of traction. But yeah, once when he sort of shot the superstardom, I think Grossman had a lot to do with it because he was a very no bullshit manager. Um, well, I remember. Is he the guy that I the, the I'm getting a memory of someone going, no, no, listen to the lyrics. And everyone was like, I don't get the Dylan thing. And he was like, there was someone, I don't know if it was Grossman, but there was, there was a key figure that was like, nah, listen, listen to the lyrics. And then that was what got him over the line to get a few deals. Was that Grossman or was that someone else? It might have been Hammond, his first A&R. That um, sounds Hammond right. Jr. I think it might have been Hammond yeah. Jr. Yeah, but even that's another figure. Like Dylan had these, there were figures in his life. And then you talk about Woody Guthrie. And that yeah. was a collaboration, even though they weren't together. Yeah. He based his initial Well, that's the Giants. The, that's what I was sort of saying with John's like, if John's was playing now, he wouldn't be anything special, but, and like, I'm thinking of Jordan, Michael Jordan, like, that's who I was thinking about. Jordan changed what was possible in basketball. Yeah. And now, I don't know basketball that well, but I was with a mate the other day who does. Yeah. And now what, Jordan, like, there's just, everyone's a Jordan. Like, he made what was impossible just the standard. Yeah, yeah. But everyone's standing on his shoulders. Yeah. Um, my art mentor often talks about that, the, the giants, the shoulders of the giants that come before us. Yeah. And how important it is to kind of honour those. Absolutely. <clears throat> so then, so then to flip it a bit, what so there's a lot of similarities in there, right? But then for me, something about discovering guitar and music yeah. um, spoke to a part of me that footy wasn't touching. And then the back half, I realized I'd missed, I was missing a part of my life was feeling a bit unbalanced and it was reclaiming sport and playing sport and, that now makes me feel like I've got these two things. So there was something that sport does that music couldn't do. So do you have any memories of like, music feeling something at sport? Does that make, does that resonate anywhere for you? I just know, because it's more of a hindsight yeah. view on things. And what I can see is, because I feel like with my rugby career at school, I was like this, nudging the top, in and out of the top teams like this. And when I really look back on it, I can actually see some 
uh, correlation between when I was more concentrated in music and I didn't really care as much about footy and I wasn't playing in as high as teams mm-hmm. and as to when I was like more focused on sport and I'd be better. So there was, they were feeling a similar type of space is what I'm sort of saying, whereas okay. they weren't necessarily like, it was which one I was more into at the time. And so in some sense there was a kind of either or in, in a way, like like there wasn't room for both of them to some to some degree. Not not in their full not in their fullness. Yeah, to a certain ex- to a certain extent. Yeah. Um. I mean, which makes sense because making art like demands time. Yeah. And and if you're going to go serious on sport, I suppose. Mm. But maybe that's where we're coming to is the less extreme version of it. I mean, one of the good things about music is how long you can play it into your life, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's got more longevity. Um, but that's also why I'm loving golf now. Right. Like, it just feels like you can play that until whenever, you Until, know? Yeah. Because um, your footy, your days are numbered in footy, eh? Like, yeah. I had a vague temptation to sign up to a club and just like, yeah. I if my body could take it. <laughs> Which is a bit sad because if it it's is. something that you're completely, like it was your whole life. And I'm oh, sure and it was I feel so good after a game of footy. Yeah. We, we had a gig the other night and after it, I felt like we were in the locker room yeah. having post locker room chats because we'd had a good gig. And it was like we'd had a good game of footy. Yeah. We'd worked hard. There's a certain wrestle and we felt like we came out on top. Yeah. And you're reliving the good parts and the, oh, I remember that part, that, that. Like, that used to be the, some of the best parts after a footy game was, yeah. oh, I remember when you did that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was just the best. Yeah. Talking about the high points and the funny parts of the game, like yeah. the sometimes funny things would happen. Yeah. Um, Oh, there's a lot behind of behind his crack was out <laughs> on the 40 meter line. <laughs> there's a lot of humour in in both elements. Like if you stop taking yourself so seriously, yeah. like and some some footy dudes are funny as like oh, yeah. people that you used to hang out with. There's just got a sense of humour that I, I could. That people would just make some of the guys I played footy with in my own would just make me laugh. I felt like a little. I felt like a dumb little kid because they would just make me laugh so much. And um, I'm trying to refine really the. I find when I'm making music, if I, I'll do a little recording bit or writing. If I find myself laughing, yeah, I know that I'm on something good. Yeah. Like, that's my response when I feel like I've nailed a thing. I start yeah. laughing. Yeah, yeah. More and more humour is coming into music. Yeah. I find. Yeah. Well, when they say tragedy and comedy, you can't have a, you can't have a comedy without tragedy. Yeah. All, all, all comedies are essentially tragedies. They're sort of the flip sides of the mask, eh? Yeah, or maybe it's just a way to deal with the, the tragedy of life. <laughs> <laughs> and um, sport can be tragic. Yeah. If you give all the energy and then you lose, whew, that ain't fun. So when you're performing as a musician, like when you're performing as a sportsman, because you are performing, you're performing in one sense, there's a crowd and people love a, a hero, but you're also performing as in you've got a hundred kilo man running at you yeah. and you've got to do something about it. Yeah. So there's a real, very real performance that yeah. you have to do. 
So that's the obvious one in sport. Yeah, 100 kilo guy coming to flatten me. What are the forces? Because in music, you're up on the stage. There's not necessarily, there might be a 100 kilo guy coming to flatten you, but it's not as obvious. What are there, but there are forces on that stage as well. Well, they're, but they're a bit yeah. more abstract. Well, maybe, but the way I'm thinking of that is back to that game analogy. Yeah. So that, to me, yeah, there is a force, but there's also tackle technique. Yeah. So if you've practiced your tackle technique yeah. over and over again, and you're a good tackler, you can yeah. handle a big 100 kilo guy yeah. if you've got the right technique. Like, there's, I suppose what I'm saying is there's, there's the, the craft or the skill of footy. Same way that there's the craft or the skill of musicianship, yeah. which is you've got to just spend hours on a drum kit if you want to learn how to play drums. Yeah. And then when you're live, it's like those things come to the test. Yeah. If you think you know your instrument and then you get on stage and you realise you don't actually, you'll get exposed. Yeah. Yeah. Same as way on the field. Yeah. If you think you've got your tackle technique and you've got a 100 kilo guy running at you, you're not tackling that guy and he's scoring a try. Yeah. So I, I feel like the, the performative element and some people, like I was never a very good trainer mm -hmm. in footy. I always struggled training, but on the field, I felt an extra gear switch in. Yeah. And there were some people that were really, I remember playing, they were amazing at training. Yeah. And they could never bring it on game day. Yeah. And so there, I'm sure there's that yeah. element too within music where someone can be an amazing drummer. Yeah. But when they're on stage, they just miss, maybe the, maybe it's the back to that poetry so that, And that's what I'm getting at. What's the force then? Because at, at sport, the force is very clear of what's preventing you from getting forward, which is someone trying to stop you from getting forward. Yeah. Whereas music, there's, who's, there's not necessarily anyone trying to stop you getting better at learning your guitar scales. There's no physical someone going, give me your hand, you can't stop practicing. But there's, what I'm saying is it's more of like a battle with this, yourself music as opposed to I'm not sure if I'm seeing it I feel like I'm seeing it quite similarly maybe yeah is that maybe I'm, I'm missing what you're saying but yeah there's the physical element which makes it seem more real but players can bring out these moments which is way beyond their skill level yeah like a small guy can make a big tackle on a big hundred kilo guy yeah and everyone goes, oh, whoa. Yeah. Um, what is it that makes him able to do that in a clutch moment? Yeah. It's sort Ooh. of inspiration almost. Yeah. So he, like there's, I'm thinking about intuition, you know, like in defense. I love, I, I love defense. I love good defense yeah. in footy, particularly yeah. in footy. I love watching good defense. It almost pleases me more than a good try mm -hmm. is watching a good defensive set. Typical and, forward. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and I tried to be a back. But there's an intuitive element to defence where you're trying to read a play. Yeah. And so you've almost, it's like a mind game. You've got to like, so like performing it out, like you can pass or you can dummy. If you're the attacker, mm. you've really got to sell the dummy as if you're going to pass it. Like yeah. it's, it's theatre. Yeah. And if you don't sell it well enough, and, I've, and I'm defense and I can pick you, I'm like, no, nah, this guy's gonna dummy. Yeah. And you pick that dummy and you nail him. Yeah. Like that's an intuitive, that's, I think that's beyond the skill and the practice level. Yeah. Same way maybe when you're in a band, you know when you're in a band sometimes, yeah. 
and you're in a zone and then the whole, you just know that you're going to the next chord. No yeah. one communicates yeah, it. Yeah, 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 Everyone yeah. just suddenly goes, that's where we're going and yeah. you go there. Yeah. Or you, that to me is almost an identical space. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know if I could separate those spaces. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds a lot like flow state, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's flow state, yeah. And just, yeah. Um, and it's cool when there's more than one person maybe in that state. If When people are in that state together, it's going to be pretty, especially that's why being in a band can be so amazing or a good footy team. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah when, when multiple people are in flow state. Yeah. And you see that, when you see like, how the that, yeah. the flick pass and yeah. the Because yeah, that's the vibe, that? hey. That's yeah. the dance floor at a party. Like when it's, sometimes it's like <laughs> popping off and other times it's, it's not. It's just not so, going. Yeah. yeah. And then what makes, maybe what you're wondering is what makes a team click and what? Because what I love, what I find fascinating about sport is it's not really to do with, in, when a team's firing, like a team's firing, yeah. it's, People transcend their own ability a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know if anyone knows how to make that happen. Like, good coaches seem to make it happen more often than not. Mm. I don't know what the equivalent of the coach in music is. Maybe that's why we're all so lost in music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got your producers and your managers and all that. I suppose hey, a good uh, manager might yeah. be like a good coach. Maybe that's like the Beatles manager. Like, yeah. He was, he was a bit of a mastermind of like, he could see all that they could be. Yeah. Suggested. Yeah. Beatles had to do it, but he, yeah, so maybe a good manager is similar to a good coach. Yeah, well, there's probably another podcast on music and business. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's pretty a, world. That's a dang, dang, <laughs> yeah. And what would be similar to the reality that sports now is, is more, it's an entertainment product. Yeah. There's the game now, but this is a money-making machine. Oh, yeah. And music becomes that too, at the yeah. elite level. Yeah. So there's a point where it yeah, becomes so big that... It... And that's where, yeah, maybe not even necessarily music and sport, but music and art. Because you step back from the bigger picture and you go, well, that winger there, his dad might be a brickie, and he's trying to... He's got a shot at earning 200 grand a year to do, to do this. This is where... The bigger picture of sport as well can be an art piece in itself. Like, you talk about NBA players, you know, maybe living in not in pretty low socioeconomic yeah. conditions, and sport as a way out for sport as a um, way out as a financial and yeah. and how the whole socioeconomic system works and where sport fits into that is quite interesting. Super, and I mean, music it's direct parallel. Like, what I watch this. Uh, documentary called Hip Hop Evolution mm -hmm. on Netflix. Yeah. And I never really understood hip hop, but how tied within the black community and the socioeconomic status. Yeah. And how it was either that or selling drugs. Yeah. And so music was a way out. Yeah. And uh, for a lot of sport people. Yeah. Um, and I think league is like that now with the big islander populations and all that, that are, it's like there's a real path. Yeah path out and how many times have you watched movies about that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we love that story yeah. friday night lights sort of maybe i haven't watched that but that's back to that hero's journey thing again that, that we feel so compelled by that story it's gladiator-esque it's like 
sink or swim, buddy. <laughs> like, go out there. All and, odds against you. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's glory porn as well. It's definitely glory porn. Um, and it can get dark, like if you look at the NFL and some of the statistics coming out of post-NFL careers. And right. Like, it can be a very dark story as well. Um, yeah, no one, no one thinks about the career of, of the sportsman after that. Yeah. Once they're out of the limelight, no yeah. one, who, who do you, unless you've got a commentary career. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, well, and that's the reality too of, like we just sort of normalise the Johns and like modern day stars like Mitch Moses, like even just the current Parramatta team, like Gutherson, Moses. Yeah. Um, but they're like, they're elite. Yeah. The amount of people that would have, I don't know what the percentage or what the average NRL career would be. I reckon in NRL at least, it'd maybe be a year or two. Yeah, right. Maximum. Okay. In terms of time playing. In terms playing. of like all people in the NRL yeah, right. that are yeah. trying to make it. Yeah, who got a start and... You let know. alone people who never play NRL yeah. and how much of their life they give to it. Yeah. And I feel like music's And it's exactly, exactly the, the same. same. <laughs> music, yeah. Like the, the thought that we're ever going to be successful <laughs> musicians now, you almost got to put that out, out of your mind because, I mean, some people have some ability to just go, no, nah, I'm doing this. Yeah. But for me, what's shifting for me at the moment is the maybe back to the, that poetry thing, just like the spirit in which you play the game yeah. for me is now becoming everything. Yeah. And so if I'm making music or art mm. and it's a grind and it's yeah. gross, yeah. I'm sort of not interested. Yeah. And it's what I love about Warney and John's again, but like you watch them and you get caught up in their joy. Yeah. Like there's just so much joy in their game. Yeah. There's grit too. It's yeah. not it's not like it's all fun. There's serious grit. Yeah. So there is a bit it's not and that's not that I want to be having this fun like fairy time no, with music. Because that's not gonna there's happen anything you do, right? Yeah. And a good gritty hard game of footy or a good gritty practice and like music session. Yeah. That's satisfying to come out of that and have something you're proud of. Yeah. So it's got to be process oriented for me, I guess. And yeah. But this, yeah, this, um, come back to that phrase, the spirit in which you, I'm going to quote my brother, <laughs> Josh here. <laughs> he was talking about golf and he was giving his, I don't know where he heard, but he was talking to my brother-in-law who's pretty, he's good at golf. Yeah. But can get, he just can get in a real bad funk, like mentally when he goes bad. And he's like, you don't want to be the best golfer, you want to be the best to play with. Yeah. And I like that idea. That's cool. Go, oh. buddy. Go. Corner. Oh. oh. <laughs> Great tackle. Game saver. He should have scored that. It was one on one as well, as in fullback on fullback. He needed a slide, it was wet enough to slide. Um, yeah, well, that seems to be answering the question that I didn't really ask, but <laughs> art and sport, is there a difference? <laughs> well, okay, yeah, so to answer my own question, what was it about music that spoke in me? So like, I remember learning guitar and I've often described, as I learned guitar, my interest in guitar and music increased, my interest in sport decreased. Yeah. And I see that with 16-year-old, 15-year-old teenager, mm. so full of angst, 
Yeah. And there was a certain expression of that in the league. Um, sanctioned way you could let out aggression. Yeah. And it was great. Like, you could really let out a physical aggression. And I think that's important. I distinctly remember that music and I suppose songwriting particularly spoke to some inner angst and, and comforted that inner angst in a way that began to make footy obsolete in my mind. Um, so I do feel like sport is not necessarily equipped to deal like maybe this is back to your, maybe what you were trying to get to with your 100 kilo man running at you. <laughs> Knowing how to tackle a 100 kilo man doesn't mean you know how to address an issue in your relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't make you able to have tough conversations with people that you love. It doesn't make you capable of intimacy. And music and creativity, for me, seem to be a door that opened up a real, a real, um, part of me that was yearning for more of that, but it felt disconnected from satisfying relationships or, or what is it? Um, I felt so incredibly lonely when I was 16. Like, I didn't know that at the time, but looking back, the belonging of the sport world did not feel that thing and music began to speak to that. So then 10 years down the track and I go down there and I've um, The boys are still setting the scrum really quick. God yeah. love them. <laughs> this song it must be distracting for the players. Yeah. Why do they think this is a good idea? Why would you put music with sport? I just don't really care. <laughs> 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 it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so then moved down the future, 10 years down the track or something, and I'm realizing there's this physical aspect. Like, my, my body had de was decaying a little bit. Maybe yeah. my spirit was nourished through music and art. Yeah. So this balance, I feel like sport and in a lot of my so-called spiritual journey or, or like well-being has been to re-respect my body and come back into my body and yeah. really not get lost in the abstract theories of what the world could be yes. and da 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 But actually, like, where's your body? How yeah. is it now? Yeah. And sport to me is directly related to that. Like, you know what? I don't need to write a song. I need to go for a run. Yeah. Or I need to go for a wrestle. Yeah. And so body, yeah, maybe for me, sport is a reminder to get into your body. Mm. And then music and art is like, yeah, but you're not just body. Yeah. You're a soul and spirit that needs to know to feel connected into whatever the hell this thing is that we're in. Yeah. Yeah, because if you go back to Snowy Gum Presents episode two. Oh, yeah where I'm interviewing Dan, you can see how much you got into music and exploring your suffering through music. Yeah. And yeah. To a large extent, it worked. 
For a long time, it worked. Yeah. And then, that's not the end of your journey there, though. Nah. That's not all your answers nah. in one nice little song. No. Nah. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's more to it than that. Yeah. Um, and maybe you didn't even, maybe it wasn't even necessarily, I'm coming back to sport now and it's just sport or music, but it's some sort of body and soul connection um, together. Yeah, it makes me think about the human dilemma, which is um, we've somehow got to figure out how to be an animal and a god yeah. in the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sport is much more representative of our animal self. Yeah. Um, and, I've, and I've had to really reclaim my animal self, I guess. Yeah. Which is just sex, maybe that'll be a good podcast, sex and music. Yeah. <laughs> like, reclaim just your, your desires, your bodily desires, your bodily pain. Mm. Um, your animal, mm. your, the animal aspects of you. And then, yeah, this other um, crazy things that you can transcend and you can, in certain moments, you become aware of this huge crazy mystery that you have no idea what it is mm -hmm. and and they do cross over music and sport do cross over at times but yeah. I suppose music is more inclined or art is more inclined to that godlike experience yeah and sport is more is closer to the animal experience maybe yeah it's neither one of them yeah you you're exactly right. We have to operate on both levels here. You yeah. Know? And yeah, there's a hundred kilo man running you on a footy field, but also we live amongst, it may as well be out in the wild where you see a hundred kilo man. Like, yeah. you know, like, or a tiger. yeah, it's like, or a tiger or, you know, it might even be a boardroom where someone's just intimidating. <laughs> yeah. You, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, they're never completely, it's never completely one or the other, is it? You know? And I wonder how much the person in a boardroom has got the, you know, the um, myth, the 100 kilo man in the boardroom. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, whatever he looks and like. Watches sport and just goes, oh, I wish that was my boss <laughs> right now. <laughs> and just like, and gets a kick out of watching some small guy tackle the big guy. Yeah. It's, it's, that's where the theatre aspect comes of it in, isn't it? It's like, it makes me interested in what theatre is because this is where I find what I'm really curious with theatre, art, music, its origins, which initially probably were maybe warfare, yeah. maybe ritual to connect, like it was in, it developed in small things. So the, the, the birthplace of um, art I'm losing my train of thought here. What were you just saying? Um, About uh, boardrooms and taking it out of the football. Yeah, like what is the role of theatre nowadays? Like back in the day, it probably was a reminder to reconnect with yourself. Like it gives you, it, like, because I, I studied art therapy and I was curious that art therapy has its roots in shamanism. Yeah. And shamanism is, is music and art, but it's ritual, and it was all designed, not designed, but it came about to help people that weren't really 
connected with themselves and they could reconnect themselves that were better. Yeah. And then when um, this is maybe too big a thought that I can't even quite grasp, but now the theatre is this, which is like like theatre has become like the Taylor Swift thing or whatever. Yeah. It's become stadiums mm. where we go to worship gods versus going to meet God. Yeah. Yeah, but that gets me thinking of the real theatre is Kanye West getting off up on the stage to, to denounce Taylor at an <laughs> award. You know, the real life is always more theatrical yeah, than yeah. whatever we try to do. Yeah, it is. Um, but we still have to try to do it, probably to try and make sense of these real life events that happen. I like that because that I get into a certain zone where I start watching too much footy yeah. and I feel this ickiness in me because yeah. that's when I begin to outsource my own drama yeah. Yeah. for this drama yeah. when actually there's a real drama that's going on for me. Watching too much TV like. Yeah. yeah. And then what, listening to too much music rather than making your own maybe. Like you yeah, can, exactly, you can yeah. begin listening to too many podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> so make your own podcast. Yeah. Um, might need a part two or are we done? Um, I could probably I can probably keep going. Um, Let's go for it. Yeah. But we might. Yeah. Are they going to start blasting the music? I reckon yeah. they might start blasting the music. Is there anything? Well, one other point that I feel like I wanted to put in there yeah. was because um, I feel like we're sort of getting close to it now, especially with the theatre thing. Because I was going to bring up Frank Sinatra, for oh, example, yeah. um, and it's like what you're saying. What's, what's theatre and what's real life? Like, his career was like this, right? Up and down. Yeah. Um, and I was just doing some research on him and he, he had it all as like almost not a child star, but a young pop star. Lost it all, like famously had the massive career slump and made a massive, massive comeback. Um, and I was just reading on, because I knew that he had a relationship with Ava Gardner, who was a famous movie star, and he, lo he lost her, and he, one of his big comeback albums in the wee small hours was sort of all about this. He made, he made one of the first concept albums where he did a Drake and was like, I'm gonna write an album purely on melancholy, and mm -hmm. this was back in the 50s. Right. So it was kind of groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, like a first one of the first concept albums. Um, and I was reading about <laughs> where he, like, what, what happened with his relationship with Ava Gardner, this movie star girlfriend that influenced this very famous concept album. And she was, she was take, she'd taken up with a bullfighter. <laughs> right. A Spanish bullfighter at the end of their career. Maybe this is me somehow trying to bring sport and, and music together I don't exactly know but <laughs> the, you don't even need to listen to the music the art of life yeah like that is enough yeah like, that story yeah <laughs> that's his real life yeah you know yeah and we can are you sort of saying like we can make Frank Sinatra into Frank Sinatra yeah versus just a Frank human being oh Frankie yeah oh yeah he lost his missus to a bullfighter yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor butter, poor bugger. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. 
We're human Here's guys, the okay? We're musicians, <laughs> we're human too, and so are the sports people. Snowy gum.